Well, grab your seats. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Uh, tonight we had, for the first time in six weeks, the Abby Burley back to lead us in worship. Abby just had the beautiful Maggie Marie Burley six weeks ago, and she is stunning. Uh, little Maggie Marie was at our staff meeting this week, and it just made me want to have another child for like 10 minutes. Uh, she is stunning. Good job, you guys. Welcome back, Abby. We missed you. Yes. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 3. If you're new to the Bible, it's toward the back of the book. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, no sweat, it'll be on the screen. This month, we have done uh, something fun and just kind of filled in the sentence stem, the necessity of dot, dot, dot. And we did the necessity of play. We did the necessity of prayer. Last week, Jordan Victoria Lewis crushed it with the necessity of presence. Tonight, we're going to talk about the necessity of God's power. And next week, I'll circle back and wrap it up with the necessity of peace. So tonight, the necessity of God's power. What I'll do is I'll read you this text from Ephesians 3, and I'll pray, and we'll jump in. So I'm going to read it twice. Uh, hear the word of the Lord. I'll read it twice. We'll pray, and we'll jump in. This is the word of the Lord from the Apostle Paul. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. let me read that again. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said, Lord, we need you, we need you, we need you, we need you tonight. Thank you for the report of what you're doing in India tonight. It stirs my faith. We pray, Lord, that you do something miraculous here tonight. We pray that this wouldn't be church as usual, that there'd be no going through the motions, that this wouldn't be just some spiritual routine. Lord, we are here tonight dependent on you, and if you don't show up and speak, we're in trouble. If you don't show up and speak, we won't hear anything. If you don't show up and speak, we'll have wasted our Friday night, but Lord, we know that you are the God who loves to dwell among your people. You're the God who loves to give your children gifts. You're the God who loves to strengthen the church and raise us up for the world. So we're asking tonight, church, could you just kind of push yourself in tonight by faith? Would you wake up a little bit tonight and just say, God, we wanna hear from you. We wanna hear from you tonight. We say, come, Holy Spirit, speak to us tonight. We pray, Lord, that I would say nothing that's a distraction, but only what would point toward you. I pray I might decrease, that you might decrease. We pray that you might increase. Go ahead and increase, God. Uh, don't decrease. That would be bad. Shondo. <laughs> God, increase here tonight. We pray the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. I pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said... Amen. Tonight I want to take a pretty famous passage 
a pretty famous passage that has often been sort of lifted out of its context and, and misunderstood and kind of used as a lever. And I just want to take a passage that maybe, if you've grown up around church, I'm guessing you've heard this prayer. I want to take it and go phrase by phrase tonight and sink down deep into it and shed some light on each phrase. So it's five phrases. I'll click through one by one. Here is phrase number one. Paul says, now to him who is able. Now to him who is able. The opening sentence of scripture is wild. In the beginning, God. There was nothing. And this God is hovering over the deep by the power of his spirit, the the ancient ruach, as the Hebrews would have called it, the the spirit, the breath, wind, and, and energy, the life of God is hovering over the waters. And God Set into that abyss, let there be, and there was. God speaks, a world is created. God speaks, and light shines in the darkness. God speaks, and, and the land comes up out of the deep, and there's a separation, land and water. And God speaks, and there's trees and herbs and gardens, and there's animals and birds and trees. There's just, God is able. Now to him who is able, says Paul. This is the God who split the Red Sea, and his people walked right on through it. And they turned around as Moses, or as the Egyptians, Pharaoh and his army were thrown into the sea. This is the God who leads these people through the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years, it was supposed to be 11 days, but they were, they were a stubborn, obstinate people. They were complaining. God had to get some stuff out of them before he could lead them into the promised land. It wasn't his perfect plan, but he got them there. But on the 40-year journey, this is the God who provides water out of a rock for 2 million Hebrews for 40 years. I don't know, I, I mean, I don't know what the rocks are like in Egypt, but I don't, I don't have like streams coming out of rocks at our place. And they, like God just said, I, I got to take care of these people. Go ahead, rock gush. And manna falls from the heavens and, and the ravens come in. God takes care of his people. Their shoes don't wear out and their clothes don't wear out. Over 40 years, God is able. Now to him who is able. God raised Jesus from the dead. And my, my rule, just sort of like bottom line, I'll boil it down to this. If God raised Jesus from the dead, anything's on the table. And Paul here in Ephesians 3, he's talking to these believers who are, who are living as a minority in a majority pagan world. And he says to them, don't you lose your faith and don't you lose your nerve and don't back down and don't cow to, to this uh, culture around you. He says, stand up and look at your God. Now to him who is able. You get the call about the child that has walked away as parents and Your heart breaks, and in this moment, this is where you need to grab onto this phrase. Now to him who is able. It may take a few years, but now to him who is able. I don't know where we're going to pay that next bill. I don't know where that job's going to come from. I don't know what we're going to do about this health diagnosis. But now to him who is able. Paul starts this prayer off by throwing open our imagination, and he wants to wake us back up tonight. Now to him who who is able, I'll say today is the day to stir your faith that God is able. It's time to wake back up again. We, we get so settled. We kind of get, get used to life as it comes to us and, and, and the world around us. Just, we just, 
we're operating by those rules and we kind of shrink our imaginations and we, 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 we bend down and we sort of live with it. And Paul says, stand up, look at your God. Now to him who is able tonight, tonight to stir your faith that God is able. Second phrase that I want you to see. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Can you say immeasurably more? Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, I'll just say God doesn't skimp or cut corners. God doesn't keep track of the bill at dinner. I'm a dad, I got little kids, right? They're not little anymore, they're 16, almost 14, 11. We go to Qdoba or Chipotle or something, it's hard for us to get out of there under 50 bucks anymore. Like it's just a desecration, it's, it's expensive, right? To, to raise these humans and man, inflation is real. And you go into Qdoba and you're like, man, I, what I do is I say, everyone sit down, I'm going to order. And I go up there and I know, I know, like I can, I can probably get two chicken and cheese quesadillas because the boys are picky and I can get like a burrito bowl and I'll, I'll bless it and ask Jesus to multiply it like the loaves and the fish. And we'll, we'll pay $48 for that and we'll just barely get out of there full. Right, but I think we're okay and we'll go home. There's snacks, you know, we got snacks at home. Everyone shut up. Shut up! Anyone else? Like, anyone else? You walk in and you're sizing things up. You ever been to dinner with someone? They go, dinner's on me. And then you get out the menu and they're like, can I recommend a house salad? You know? <laughs> you could cut back on some calories, growthy. Why don't you just stick with the green stuff? And uh, there's, The bread is free and water is great around here. And you go, you go to dinner with these people and you immediately just feel like you're having to tighten the belt and it's cheap and, and you're gonna offend them. If you like, I'm here to say God is not like us. God is not skimping. God is not cutting corners. God is not concerned about the tab. He's gonna be just fine. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine God is different than us. You just like look at the stories of Jesus at mealtime, right? Jesus, the meals that he multiplies, he feeds the 4,000. He feeds the 5,000. In both of those stories, there's seven baskets left over and 12 baskets left over. God is not cutting corners with taking care of his people. God is not concerned about the economy. God is, I mean, he's concerned about taking care of us, but God is not on his throne going, oh, myself, How am I going to get us out of this? God always goes above and beyond. You see this from the very beginning. First of all, creation is just explosive and extravagant. If I had made it, you know, with my Qdoba mentality, there'd been like one tree. Just (laughs) figure it out, guys. You know, have a blast. Have some kids put them to work, you know. God just goes, take dominion, have a blast, rule over the birds and the the fish in the sea and over all the livestock that move along the ground. God just gives them authority. He gives them joy. He gives them options. God doesn't skimp or cut corners. You look at the garden, you look at Abraham and Sarah. They just wanted a son. Just Just give us one son. What does he give them? He gives them a nation. I will bless you and I will make you a blessing and through your offspring, I'll bless all the nations of the earth. Look up at the stars in the sky, Abram. Your descendants will outnumber what you see tonight. 
because God doesn't skimp or cut corners. You think about Joseph, he just wanted to get out of prison in Egypt. I mean, he's sold by his brothers. He, he did nothing wrong except probably share the wrong dreams. And he was big dogging with that coat of many colors. And he could have kind of checked his ego a little bit. And he'd probably done a little better. But God gave him these dreams and his brothers get jealous and they throw him in the pit and they sell him to slave traders and they haul him off to Egypt. And he goes and gets a job with Potiphar and he's doing great and everything he's touching, he's prospering and and. Potiphar's wife comes in and tries to get, you know, uh, and, and Joseph runs out and he stays clean and he does nothing wrong. He's an honorable man and he ends up in the bottom of an Egyptian prison and he's there and his life can't get any worse and all he wanted to do was get out of prison and God puts him as number two in the palace of Egypt. God does not skimp or cut corners. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine. Mary thought she was just gonna walk down the aisle and become Joseph's bride, and that was fine. She was kind of an invisible figure in a patriarchal society, and everything's, we were eating, and everything's cool, and God comes to her. She thought she was gonna be Joseph's wife, and now she becomes the mother of the son of God. God is not skimping or cutting corners. God is able to do immeasurably more. God is inexhaustibly deep and embarrassingly generous and overwhelmingly playful and endlessly creative. And Romans 11, Paul has this other eruption of doxology and praise. And Romans 11, right at the end there, he's just like really getting steam. And verse 33, he says, oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing and out. And who can know the mind of the Lord and who can be his counselor and who could ever give to God that God should repay him for from him and through him and to him are all things and to him be the glory forever and ever and then he puts an amen on it Paul just like goes do you know who you're working with here you can't you can't trace him out you can't pin him down you're not gonna freak him out God is God and he is able God is always interested in doing immeasurably more and I'll say whatever you're asking God for right now will always be less than what he's able to do And so many Christians are playing small. God, I pray that you would give me a good yard this year. (laughs) Just need some rain. I really just like a good, you know, curb appeal. God, I need a good yard. I mean, just, it's fine. Like, it's okay, but it's just small. It's not enough, and we're just, oh God, I just pray that the kids wouldn't be stupid, and that's fine, pray for your kids too, but like, let's pray that they would grow up and become great humans that would change the world. Not just mail it in that they wouldn't, you know, just keep them out of trouble. No, make them great. God, make our kids great. I walk through these halls, and I see your kids, and I see my kids, and I go, God, make them a mighty nation. Make them powerful in the spirit. Help them to change the world. Help them to go do something about Washington. Help them to go do something about the economy. Help them to go do something about affordable housing. Help them to serve the poor everywhere they go. Help them to grow up and be like Alex Thomas, God. Make our kids great, we pray. Whatever you're asking God for will always be less than what he's able to do, but whatever you're asking God for will also always be less than what he's planning to do. It's one thing for someone to be able, but they're not planning on it. And I just want you to know that God wants 
to do immeasurably more in and through you. Not just that, oh, he can, oh, he's the God of the party trick, let there be and there was. Oh, wasn't that special? No, God is not the God of the party trick. God is the God of the immeasurably more who wants to send us into the streets of our communities to bring the life of God. He wants to send us to be the let there be light and there was. But he needs a church that's willing to pray for it. He needs a church that's willing to sign up for it. He needs a church that's willing to be risky and to stop playing safe and to stop asking for nice curb appeal and a nice little guard. Like, that's fine, but let's live to the fullness of what God has created us to live into, church. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. God has always invited his people to pray and to dream, to imagine and to engage and to take risks and to fight for it and to stop praying safe prayers. And he wants us to grow up into that. God wants us to take, I'll just say, God does not desire a safe, sanitized, precious church of passive Christians. That's just utterly boring. And the world does not need a safe, sanitized, boring, precious little church of sanitized Christians. God wants us to be more and the world needs us to be more. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Phrase number three, he says, according to his power that is at work within us. According to his power that's at work within us. I think we have usually read that verse and we go, yes, God is powerful. We stop there. According to his power, that's where we stop. Paul goes, no, according to his power, that's at work within us. Let's go. You see what Paul's doing here? He's He's prodding us. He's provoking us. He's stirring us up. He's, he's calling us back to own our strength. He's calling us back to take the risk. I'll say it here, like this. Here's the way God works. God will always invite you to exercise your creative agency. We should have had a better amen than that, okay? That was just very, very precious, okay? Oh, that's nice. God will always invite you to exercise your creative agency. And you see this right at the beginning of the book in Genesis 2. He creates Adam. He puts him in the garden. He, there's, a, there's no suitable helper. And it's, just, it's not fine. The animals are fine. It's not going to work, right? So he, before he brings Eve into the story, here's what he says to Adam. Genesis 2.15, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to what? To work it and to take care of it. You see the agency here? Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. God did not create the animals and then create Adam and go, here's the Encyclopedia Britannica with the full list of what they're called and what they do, and just go ahead and plug and play the formula. He goes, here they are. What do you say we do, Adam? What do you want to call them? Exercise your creative agency. Adam, I want you to take dominion over creation. I want you to work it. I want you to take care of it. I want you to name it. I, and, and what I'll just say to you is that there is so much of the world out there that is waiting to be named by us right here in the house of God and to go exercise our creative agency. And we sit back and we wait for God to give us the Encyclopedia Britannica and he's just not going to do it. 
He wants us to rise up. He wants us to do our job. I'll just show you this. Think through the scriptures. Jesus turns the water into wine, right? We think that was a party trick. Oh, there's a wedding. They run out. Mary's there. She goes, oh, we're out of wine. Son, go for it. He goes, woman, it's not my time. She goes, I'm your mother. Get your butt in the gear. Yes, it is. And we just think that Jesus goes, What happens? Read the story in John chapter two, his very first miracle. Before God will do anything, he calls six people and he says, you see those six water pots over there? It says in the scriptures that the water pots were 20 to 30 gallons, they're massive. I feel like a a UFC fighter if I can get four gallons of milk in my hands at Walmart grocery pickup. (laughs) Right, you know, I'm carrying them to the garage, I walk in, I'm like, hey babe, I got got the milk, (laughs) you know? I got four of them right now, four of them. (laughs) It says that these water pots are 30 gallons each. Gargantuan stone water pots. It's probably a couple people, so probably 12 people working to carry these six water pots. And Jesus says, you go do the work and fill those with water. Jesus doesn't do a miracle until they exercise their creative agency. We think it's a party trick. Jesus goes, you do your job, and then I'll come and I'll make it beautiful. What if we all went to our jobs with that understanding that he wants us to do our jobs and then he takes it and makes it beautiful? The little boy with the five loaves and the two fish. Jesus didn't feed the multitudes on his own. He didn't call down food from heaven. He goes, hey, little guy, what you got? And the little boy exercises his creative agency and he goes, hey, I can offer this. And Jesus takes what we give him and he feeds the multitudes. Jesus is always looking for us to exercise our creative agency first. Think about the man who was paralyzed, brought to the mat, on the mat to Jesus, and they come to the house and there's, it's overflow. They can't get in and they can't get the mat in. What do they do? They climb up on the rooftop. They cut through someone's roof. I mean, hail damage or something. Like all you roofers out there are like, what the heck? Like they cut through the roof. They drop the guy down. There's One guy with four, five people exercising their faith, exercising their creative agency, and Jesus takes their work and he does his thing to it and we see the miracle happen. God is always waiting for us to exercise our creative agency. God partners with his people. I grew up around kind of a prosperity theology that just said, you know, we're waiting for checks in the mail. And we're going to pray them in. Money cometh to me now. Money. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. And I'm sitting on my couch praying, money cometh to me now. And God's saying, get a job. <laughs> get a job. And I believe in favor. And I believe that once I go out and partner with God, that he's going to bless it and make it more. I do believe in abundance. I'm not, I'm, but I'm not saying like I'm eating Lay's potato chips on the couch praying for God's abundance. And he's going, get your butt off of the couch and work. God is always looking for our partnership. He's looking for covenant. He's looking for us to put one foot in front of the other. And as we get out there on the streets and we do the work, Jesus keeps making it more and he keeps making it beautiful. And he turns the water into wine as we engage with his creation. I think about Pastor William in Lahore, Pakistan. Pastor William has been here through the years and he'll be here, is it next week? Two weeks from now. Pastor William will be here in this room. 
a beautiful man of God from Lahore, Pakistan. He's 41. He's got four daughters, him and his wife, and, and they live on $300 a month. And we send him money regularly and support him and we'll have him on stage in two weeks and we'll, we'll give a gift to be a blessing to him. But I remember a few years ago, we, we gave him a gift of $5,000, William Safraz. We made it out to him, we sent it with him and he called me the next week when he got back to Lahore and he said, Pastor, with your permission, I'd like to ask uh, that I do something with this money. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know. This is like more than a year's wage for him. This is like life-changing money for him. And he said, we've just had a, a major drought and there's a village outside of our town that has no water. And with your permission, I'd like to take 2,500 of those $5,000 that you gave me and I'd like to drill a well for that entire community. Would you give me permission to do that? And I was like, William Safraz, the, the world is not worthy of someone like you who could have more than a year's wages and sort of mail it in and, and breathe just a sigh of relief. And he immediately deploys that money to take care of the poor around him when he is the poor. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus will always wait for us to exercise our creative agency. And when we do, that gift becomes more. The five loaves and two fish, they feed the multitude. Friends, God is waiting for us, the way God does immeasurably more is through a trusting partnership with us. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. Phrase number four, he says, to him be the glory. To him be the glory. To him be the glory. When you don't know what to pray, say, Lord, glorify your name. To you be the glory. I honor you, I worship you, I praise you, I lift your name on high. Jesus, you said, if you would be lifted up, you would draw all people to yourself. So I glorify you. Paul says, to him be the glory in the church, amongst us and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. He just keeps going. All generations in the church, in Christ Jesus, forever and ever, world without end, all generations. Paul is erupting with the glory of God. And I'm here to remind you tonight what Paul reminds us in this text. It's that it's God that gets the glory. We will not be the lead story into eternity. Our churches and our, our companies and our S Corps and our LLCs and our 501c3s will not be the lead story into the future. You know who will be the lead story into the future? The one who was and is and is to come, who the Son of God who came among us, the Word became flesh, and He being perfect, He being eternal God of all gods, the one who was there in the beginning, He is God's let there be. Jesus himself stretched out his arms and was crucified and put into the tomb. And on the third day he rose and he ascended to the right hand of the Father and he sent his spirit that lives in us and he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead in his kingdom. And his kingdom will have no end. To him be the glory now and forever. Throughout all generations, world without end, every tribe, tongue, nation, and people group will not be saying Daniel Grothy's name. They will not be saying New Life Church's name. They will not be saying Jeff Bezos' name. They will not be saying Bill Gates' name. They will not be saying Barack Obama's name or Donald Trump's name or Joe Biden's name. Praise the Lord. They'll be saying Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Jesus Christ is Lord. Our task is to never forget where the immeasurably more came from. 
where it came from. If life is working for you and you're knocking it down, good job. Remember where it came from. Scripture says every good and perfect gift. James, the half-brother of Jesus. James says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above in whom there is no shifting shadows. He doesn't change. To him be the glory forever and ever. And when your life is working, remember where it came from. The final phrase. Here's the final phrase. Amen. I think we think this is just kind of church speak and you gotta, this is a way to sort of put a nice little precious bow on it. Amen. Amen. No. Amen comes from the Hebrew word emunah. And, and this word is the word for truth. Emunah. E-M-U-N-A, and some of the people put H at the end. Emunah. Truth. And so when we say amen, what we're saying is, that's the truest thing ever. Yep, I agree with that. That's true, that's right. Amen. Let me give you a, a, a fuller definition. That's true. Let it be so. Get it done, God. I agree with that. I'm with that. I'll get behind that with all my heart. I come into alignment with what you have, with everything that you've said that's in me, everything that you want for me. Amen. Amen. I, I, I put my whole life, I put my whole imagination, I put my whole hope into this truth. Yes, God, you are the one that gets the glory forever and you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ask or think and you are God and there is no other and I'm going to say amen. When we pray over children up here on the stage and we dedicate them, that's not some cute little spirit. No, what we're saying is, God, these kids are your kids and you gave them to the world and we pray that you would raise them up and make them great. And then at the end we go, Amen, I agree with that, I believe that, let it be done. I'm gonna get my whole energy behind their lives flourishing. When you say amen, we're not just being precious Christians, amen. When you signed a contract in the ancient world, you're gonna buy a, a piece of property from someone. You know what the last thing you said was? Amen. When someone got married, and the bride was betrothed and she walks down the aisle and she stands with the bridegroom and they do the whole thing and the dance and the party and the celebration. At the end, the whole congregation, the family, the friends, they go, amen, let it be, let it be so. I believe in this. I agree with this. Let it be established. Let it be strong. God, give your blessing. We put our collective amen on the flourishing of this marriage. Have you ever wondered what the last word in the Old Testament is? It's interesting just literarily to look at the, the final statement of the Old Testament. The, the final word of the Old Testament, the last word is curse. It's interesting. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers and their mothers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. God's saying if, if families don't get back together, if, if parents can't look at kids and kids can't look at parents and families can't be well, it's, it's just a difficult situation. The final word of the Old Testament is curse. But do you know what the final word of the New Testament is? Revelation twenty two twenty one. the last word in the Bible, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Our stories, if we don't cooperate with God, if we don't agree with him, if we don't, if we don't partner with him, it, kind of the last word is curse. 
But if you partner with God, if you get out there and believe that he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond all that you could ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within you, and if you believe that the glory goes to him right now and and world without ages and forever and ever, and then you put your amen on that, something happens. Paul says that something happens, and John the Revelator says that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you all, and he puts the final stamp of amen on it. I'll just say, our own, on our own, we're left with the curse. But through the grace of Jesus, the end is blessing, but we have to exercise our agency and add our amen to that work. We have to add our amen to that work. And I'll, I'm coming to a close here. Some of y'all like land the plane, just give me three more minutes. Our sages and our spiritual teachers through the centuries tell us that in some ways, the person who responds amen is even greater than the one who said the blessing. Think about that. The people who say amen, is e- they're even greater than the one who said the blessing. And when one responds amen with the proper agreement, it has the power to open the gates of heaven and nullify negative decrees. There's people that come down at the end of every service and they want prayer. And, and what you see is that many of them are carrying heaviness or sadness or fear or anxiety or darkness. Many of them have had words of, of curse, words of cursing and words of death spoken over them and they come down and you see it on their eyes and you start praying. And you go, Revelation twenty two twenty one says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be upon you. May God bless you and may God keep you. May God fill you with his spirit. May God, and you see it start, the darkness is lifting. And then what you finally do is you put that amen on them and they leave from this place a different person. And I'll say to you that the people who say amen are even greater than the one who speak the blessing because when you say amen, you're exercising your creative agency. You're putting your life into motion, you're putting your agreement and you are nullifying the negative decrees, you are breaking the curse, you are driving the devil out, you're casting him out into the pigs and they're going and drowning themselves in the Sea of Galilee and you've got a man there clothed and in his right mind sitting at the feet of Jesus, why? Because the congregation puts an amen on the work of God. God is always at work. God is always doing something. God is always inviting you to exercise your agency, but we can choose to opt out. We can be passive. We can be quiet. We can be soft. We can be cheap. We can be, we can be precious Christians, and we, and we don't throw our amen behind it. So what I'm here tonight to do with Paul is to provoke you. I feel an intensity tonight. I don't always preach like this. Sometimes I'm up here crying like a baby. And <laughs> sometimes the word is tender. Sometimes the word is encouraging. But sometimes you just feel the spirit prodding and provoking and waking his people up. And I sense that here tonight, that the Lord wants us to exercise our faith again. The Lord wants us to believe that God is able again. The Lord wants us to know that it's according to his power that's at work within us and we need to hit the streets and go do the work and put our amen on the work of God in the world. Can you say amen tonight, church? Would you stand with me tonight? As the band comes, I wanna ask you three questions. Three simple questions to stir you tonight. Three questions worth considering. The first is, 
Are you joining your faith with heaven? Look at those words up on the screen. Are you joining your faith with heaven? Next question, are you adding your agreement to what God is saying? Are you adding your agreement? Some of you do have kids that are in trouble. And God is wooing them and God is calling them home and God is doing that Luke 15 prodigal thing that God always does. They might be in the pigsty, but just in just a minute, they're gonna come to their senses. Have you stopped praying? Have you stopped leaning in? Have you stopped adding your amen? Have you stopped pounding on the doors of heaven and interceding? If you have, God's in it by himself. And God is always looking for a people to exercise their creative agency. Are you adding your agreement to what God is saying? Final question. Are you exercising your authority by adding your amen to what God is doing in the earth. Some of you are gonna go to your job on Monday and there's just a, there's a chump that you've been working with for years. You don't necessarily like them. You don't have flow. You kind of just stay over here and avoid them at the water cooler and you just keep moving and it, it's easier just to mail it in. I'm gonna ask you tonight, are you exercising your authority by adding your amen to what God is trying to do on the earth and what he's trying to do is bless them. What he's trying to do is wake them up to faith. What he's trying to do is bring them back to joy and if you just keep walking around them, you are not exercising your agency. Friends, tonight the invitation is to believe that God is able to do it and then to step in with your power to be a part of God doing it in the earth. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that you and I could ask or imagine. It's according to his power that's at work within us and to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus now and throughout all ages forever and ever and all God's people said, amen. I wanna invite our communion servers to come down tonight. We're gonna come through the room. We're gonna sing, you're the God of miracles. And I want you to to press in tonight with your faith. I want you to sing this by faith. I want you to think of situations that need the, the work of God to break out, situations that you need to step into tonight. So what you'll do is you'll come through the room, you'll get your communion elements, you'll go back to your seat and hold those there as we're worshiping and in just a few minutes I'll come and we'll receive together. Let's worship the Lord.